Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sharing Everything. We are your hosts. I'm Katie Balecki. And I'm Joe Balecki. And we're married, and we like making each other watch movies that we like. Joe. Katie. What did I make you watch this week? This week, you had me watch Thelma and Louise. Two Both mo- of them? Two movies. Oh, wow. I had to watch back to back. Thelma and Louise. Huh. Yeah. Well... Uh, so would you like to describe what the movie Thelma and or Louise was about? Yeah. When two friends go on a, sorry, <laughs> when two friends go on a cross country road trip, they find that they might have had more than they bargained for. When either Thelma and Louise starts to get raped in a parking lot. You don't know who was who? Um, it must have been Thelma. Yeah, Thelma is yeah. played by Gene Davis. That, that's not going to help. The only way I'm going to remember is from um, the Bob's Burgers episode. It had nothing to do with the movie. I know, but Louise is the one that is more... And, and Thelma's the one who's more like Linda. Just let me have this. Anyway. Okay. When two friends, Thelma and Louise, go on a cross-country road trip, they found that they got more than they bargained for. Their eyes were bigger than their stomachs on this one. When Thelma starts to get raped in a parking lot, Louise comes out to save her. After being told to perform fellatio on the man who was just trying to rape her friend, she decided the best course of action would be to murder him in cold blood. So she did! The two friends then go off to Mexico, but will they make it, or will all of their dreams fall off a cliff? <laughs> Find out this week on Thelma and Louise. Okay. So yeah, it's Th- Thelma and Louise. Um, they, they, that's basically what I what I said is is they decide to go on vacation. Um, they're two fairly repressed women, so they decide to let their hair down, uh, and they let their hair down so much that they ended up murdering a person, locking a cop in a trunk in the desert, uh, robbing a store, blowing up a truck, mm-hmm. um, and, and dri- grow- driving off a cliff. And grow their friendship. They become very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, they astonish men everywhere. They, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's basically that's basically the movie. I'd say. So this movie for you had probably the quickest turnaround from you watching yes. it by yourself to saying we need to watch this. Yes, for I probably everything. watched this movie by myself about a month ago, mm-hmm. and now we're doing it for an episode. I. So okay, so why do you think I showed you this movie? Uh, because it's not a coming of age tale, <laughs> and because. It's a fairly feministy movie, especially for what it was made in the nineties, nineteen ninety one. It's a fairly early nineties feminist movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see lots of riot girl bands being real into Thelma and Louise, and um, I don't know. It's a beautiful movie. It really it's well is. shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got Brad Pitt. It's got that guy who's not Joe Montana. That's uh, Italian and is a cop and everything else. I don't know who he is. I forget his name, but he's in everything. Whenever you need an uh, Italian cop guy. It's got the bad guy from Happy Gilmore as uh, Thelma's uh, husband with a, with a mustache. 
Mm-hmm. And it's got another guy who I've seen in some things as um, Louise's oh, boyfriend. Um, her husband, actually. Or wait, no. I'm thinking of Thelma. See, now you got me confused. Uh, Thelma's husband is Christopher McDonald. Yeah. Um, but Michael Madsen is um, Louise's boyfriend, and he was in... Um, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill Volume That's, 1, Don Nebraska. Yeah, he was in late. Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. That's where I've seen him. Yeah. Basically, you kind of hit all of the reasons why I wanted to show you this movie. I felt it was pretty ahead of its time in terms of feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, I love movies. At least feminism in cinema. Mm-hmm. I think that the ideology it promotes mm-hmm. is, is fairly yeah, of course. on par for that time. Um. I really enjoy movies that have female characters, like, kind of running the show. Mm-hmm. And all the male characters are either, like, exasperated with them or, like, mm-hmm. confused by them. And I just think that's great. Well-behaved women rarely make history. Exactly. Thanks. Uh, was that T-shirt. Marilyn Monroe? I don't know. It was probably accredited to her, but I doubt she probably actually yeah. said that. I'm, I'm sure some marketer who wanted to sell t-shirts came up with it. Yeah. Um. So, I realized that this movie is sort of similar to another movie I made you watch for the show. Polly? <laughs> no. Huh. Um, catch Me If You Can. Oh, uh, sure. Another yeah. movie about criminals sort of... Like, so we had the Carl Hanratty character in this, mm-hmm. and he was trying to protect them. And mm-hmm. he's like, just come in. We won't hurt you. We just want to question you. And then at the end, he tries to stop them from jumping off the cliff or driving off the cliff. I don't know. So there, we've got that character, and we've got um, the very charming criminals who nobody thinks is capable of doing bad things, and then they do. Um, <clears throat> and... I am kind of a fan of the type of movies where you see both sides of, like in crime dramas and mm-hmm. those sort of movies where you can see both sides of it. You can see the criminal doing their thing and you can see the investigators doing their thing um, and just sort of tracking them down, yet the criminals are always one step ahead. Which is weird because I don't like criminals in real life. Yeah, but you you are into the true crime thing. Yeah. Pretty Pretty hard. Yeah. It's kind of scary how much I like true crime stuff. But like we talked about, I think it's from a place of me trying to figure out how not to get killed. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. While the husband's away, the wife will figure out uh, if he's trying to murder her secretly or not. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Um, well, think about it this way. <clears throat> if I murdered you, who would I do a podcast with? Maybe you would pull a uh, Norman Bates and do both voices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I had you watch uh, the Tigger movie <laughs> because I really like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah, I know. You like Winnie the Pooh. That's, that's the thing that you like. Yeah, I find that the innocence is really nice, especially, you know, there's lots of murder and stuff on TV. <laughs> Is that really your justification for why you wouldn't murder me? Because you'd have to do a podcast with <laughs> It's not my only justification, but, you know, it's it's part of the deck. Okay. 
Um, so what did you think of this movie? It was good. I don't have too many complaints about it. Um, like I said, it was well made. Um, it was a Western, if you think about it, which, which I, I found interesting think, thinking about it while we were watching it. It's like, oh, this is a Western. Can't wait to tell Katie how much of a Western this is. <laughs> they go from town to town. They meet a cast of characters who are all sort of quirky and flawed in their own way, and they're outlaws. They really only meet one. Well, they meet Brad Pitt. They meet the trucker guy. Oh, the they, trucker they guy. meet the cops. Okay. Yeah. I suppose, yeah. So, you know, there's there's this sort of, like, episodic nature to it. Very, like, chapter-oriented, which I like. And... uh you know, at the end, they jump off the Grand Canyon, which is like how how Westerny is that? It's Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Although it's I know true. it wasn't the Grand Canyon; it was just a canyon. Mm-hmm. Even still, um, no, in this movie, it was the Grand Canyon. Yeah, in Butch Cassidy. Oh, and okay, the Sundance I haven't seen that. In fact, this might be the girl version of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hmm. I'm sure someone could draw some parallels. Um, I found that the message was was fairly. Um, interesting, the idea that, like, a woman's freedom is dangerous to men. Ooh, okay. Which, which is essentially what what I found it saying from, like, a sort of, like, macro-feminist perspective. Mm-hmm. Because there were no female cops or detectives following mm-hmm. them. And none of the people they met that were a problem for them were women. In fact, the the female waitress at the beginning was covering for them. When she was being questioned by the detective. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could argue, was she covering for them or did she really believe what she was saying? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, she didn't like the guy. Yeah. So, who knows? But, yeah, so the, there is that element of, like, the 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 wife who has a controlling husband and her friend who has sort of a dead-end job and a boyfriend who... She kind of loves, but not really, or whatever. And they just decide to go off and do their own thing. And so, of course, that's dangerous to all the men around them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's sort of the, the fear of the patriarchy is that women will just go off and do their own thing. Yeah. And, and have their own sense of justice like they did. Because they really didn't do anything that was, like, evil. You know, like, quote-unquote evil. Yeah. Um... You know, they cleaned up the streets a little bit by killing the rapist. That probably wasn't his first time trying to rape anybody. Uh, they taught the cop a lesson, mm-hmm. which anytime you can teach some cops a lesson, Joe, Joe's all for. <laughs> um, they certainly taught that trucker a lesson. Yeah. That was great. I loved that bit. Yeah. It was maybe overkill, but... Oh, oh it was so overkill. But I, I loved it. I can't imagine that there is in the world a truck driver like that. No, this is probably bad coming from someone who knows all about true crime and all this stuff, but Mm -hmm. I always imagine that truckers are just generally nice. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like they're probably just, like, weary from being on the road for so long, and so when they get to interact with people, they're probably nice. Yeah. However, they're probably also some scumbag murderers and rapists, so I don't know. 
I guess I guess the the sort of trucker thing where they're all super horny all the time just comes from the fact that you're alone all yeah. the time for long periods of time, just driving back and forth, seeing landscape. You're not seeing a lot of people. Yeah. So when you do see people, you want to see something that's nice to see. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who works in an office sees a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So you don't need that like giant fix, you know? Yeah. Someone who drinks a beer every day is not going to go out and binge. Yeah. So I guess that's the thing with with truckers, but the movie was trying to make a point. Yeah. You know, um, and they did. They made their point. Mm-hmm. It exploded. Everything exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about the detective who was trying to help him or bring him in or whatever? Um, I thought that he was, he seemed like a generally nice guy. Um... I think he actually was trying to help them. I think he was trying to make them see that if they just cooperated, things would go a lot better for them. I think he probably felt bad for Thelma, at least, because I don't think he liked her husband. And I think he kind of saw that they had a not-so-great relationship because of who her husband was and how he acted toward the detective. Um, So he probably felt sympathy for her and wanted to um, just make sure that the things went as well for her as they could given all the things that they had done yeah um the way i saw it and maybe i was projecting or maybe this is just because i'm a man whatever i felt like he truly understood like their plight like why things were happening the way that they were happening and was empathizing a little bit and was going to do his best to make sure that they got off as easy as possible yeah where his counterpart was more just like we gotta point all these guns at them they're criminals and he's like no wait hold on yeah let's think about this um which i liked because there there was that element of like not everyone who doesn't live your life doesn't understand you yeah and just adds that extra layer of complexity because they don't believe him. They either don't yeah. believe him. At some points, they don't believe him. And then there's also just that element of, I just don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. I think that... Because they kept talking about getting not wanting to get caught. But I think even more of it was just, I, don't, I just don't want to go back. Yeah. Definitely. Neither of them seem to have anything tying them to their homes and their lives and their jobs. So they kind of probably just wanted a change. Mm -hmm. And they did it in the most drastic way they could. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I agree. I think that that detective was probably the good guy in this movie. Mm -hmm. Considering our two main characters were... I think they were good people. They just sort of let things escalate and kind of went too far with what they were doing yeah i don't really have any negative judgments on anything that they did well they didn't have to rob that store i know she did it in a very polite way she did it in a very <laughs> polite way she robbed the store the store probably has insurance so it'll be fine yeah and um I don't know. Max Turner says that you can do whatever you, you want as long as you're prepared to defend yourself. And they were prepared to defend themselves. They were very individualistic about the way that they were doing things, which is fine by me. Yeah. Um, do you think, like, in general, in society, people have more sympathy, empathy for 
female criminals than male criminals? Yeah. Or do you think it's more on a case-by-case basis? I mean, everything is on a case-by-case basis, and thinking in groups is, is scary sometimes. But uh, the first female bank robber basically became famous after she got caught mm-hmm. because the the prison, like, sold tickets to see her. They were like, see the beautiful bank robber. Oh. And so people would come for miles around to see this woman, this beautiful bank robber in prison. And after she got out, she, like, wrote a book and and ended up having, like, a Wild West show or something. But basically became famous because she was a criminal, mm-hmm. which, you know, is not unique to women. Mm-mm. However, I guess that's one example. I don't I don't know about any other examples because obviously not too many people feel bad for Eileen Wormos. Oh, she's terrible. I watched a documentary about her once. There were two like documentaries about her and I there's one that I wanted to watch that was not on Netflix, so I watched the other one mm-hmm. and it was more about her after she got caught in her life in prison instead of like documenting like her crimes and how she got caught and everything yeah um i wanted to watch that one but i watched the one about her life in prison and she had pretty much nobody like saying oh you're innocent or anything like that um everybody's kind of like yeah you're you're a scumbag um on the other hand another example i've thought of orange is the new black TV show mm-hmm. about sympathetic female criminals. Most of them are sympathetic. Obviously, you need to have an antagonist <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah. In, in your show. But, yeah, the the whole point of that show is to humanize female criminals. That's true. I didn't think about that's that. The, that's the entire thing. And Weeds, mm-hmm. which, Ugh. same show creator. The whole thing is, is like, here's a female drug lord who made literally every wrong decision she could and she screwed up her children and i hate her (laughs) true but the show did try to present her in a very sympathetic light compared to your for you yes (laughs) compared to your uh your your breaking bads yeah your whatever so yes to answer your question i would say that our culture is much more sympathetic to female criminals yeah, I'd probably agree. Sometimes when I think about it, I think it's probably easier to be a woman and a criminal. And sometimes I think it's harder. Um, I think it's easier because most people just gener- generally trust women more than they trust men. Or at least are less like nervous about them, like hurting them or something. Um, at least in my experience, I've been scared of random men on the street much more than i've been scared of random women on the street um sure they sort of feel more like safe and nurturing or whatever um but at the same time i think it would be harder to be a woman criminal because nobody would take you seriously kind of like um uh shoot i had an example and i lost it um but like people would maybe like laugh in your face like if Thelma had gone into that store and it's like okay this is a robbery if nobody loses their heads nobody will lose their heads and they all just stand there like laughing at her and they don't give her the money because they don't think she'll actually pull the trigger Mm -hmm. like that would probably be it would probably be harder to get things done if you're not intimidating yeah uh, I guess I don't know 
That's, that's an interesting point. I don't have a counter argument to that. <laughs> okay. I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know why I just thought of this, but you know the story of Lizzie Borden? Uh, I know that there's a movie about her. Wasn't she like the only female serial killer at some point she wasn't i don't think she was technically a serial killer because she only killed her parents but she killed them with an axe Mm -hmm. um this was in like the mid to late 1800s i think um and then there's some like controversy because some people don't think she was capable of it because she was kind of a frail like she was probably like late 20s or something she might have been like some sort of illness um but people thought oh she's she couldn't lift that axe she couldn't deliver like 40 blows or however many it was on each of them but i totally think she did (laughs) oh yeah i don't know it's just like it's one of those things where there is no reason for anyone else to do it like the father was sort of hated but like Nobody else could have gotten into their house and nobody else reported seeing anybody in their house. So she totally did it. But I guess that's also a counterpoint to what I said Mm -hmm. is that women can get away with more because people think they're incapable of doing it. Yeah. People don't take them seriously. So they can do serious things and get away with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh, interesting for sure, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What else can we discuss? Um, how the two main main characters were both redheads. Yeah, they totally were. They were, they were redheads. And there was one other person in that movie who was a redhead. I thought Mm. was, was the waitress at the beginning a redhead? She was blonde. Oh, she was blonde. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was cool. And then I was thinking about it and there's not a lot of redheads in cinema. Mm -mm. And most of the redheads that I can name off like the top of my head are women because mm-hmm. you, you got you got a whole bunch of them and then you got on the male side you got rupert grint mm-hmm. and domnall gleason and eddie redmayne and eddie redmayne whose last name is redmayne how cool is that yeah. and they're all british that's true are they there are. any american red-headed leading men huh or have i tapped into a need in the market and i need to go off to hollywood I think you might be correct in saying that they are all British because the only other example that popped into my head was Damien Lewis, and he's been in American TV shows with an American accent, but I'm pretty sure he's actually British. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. Why there's no American male redhead actors. I'm going to do a quick Google search. Okay. See if we can come up with any uh, ginger male actors. Because my people have been suffering oppression for years and years and years. Um, yeah, because I, I can think of a couple other ones, but they're all in Viking movies from like oh. Norway or Iceland or Finland. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Is there anybody else? Danny Bonaduce uh, from the Partridge family. Uh-huh. Um, oh, David Caruso. I guess J.K. Simmons, when he had hair, had Oh, Ron hair. Howard. Oh, Ron Howard. Simon Pegg. Nah, he's blonde. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I he's, only know him with gray hair. He's blonde and also dead. Oh, Chuck Norris. Uh, he doesn't Oh, count. Seth Green. Okay, I guess there is more. Michael C. Hall. Um, Some of these I don't necessarily agree with. 
I, I wouldn't say red, red hair. Oh, Alan Tudyk or Tudyk? Alan Tudyk's. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, Jesse Tyler matter. Ferguson, that guy from Modern Family. Mm. Paul Giamatti. But he's bald. But his hair was red <laughs> before he went bald. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, but he's British. And he's not. He does not have <laughs> red hair. Oh, he does. His natural hair color is red. Why he dyes it? it? Why? Because characters don't have red hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> huh. Well, I guess I'd stand corrected. There's a lot more than I thought there were. Yeah, but none of them. Like it seems like the British ones are the ones with like the status that mm-hmm. everybody knows. Aside from Alan Tudyk, he's. <laughs> is that how do you say it's his name? Tudyk? Tudyk, it is okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It, it, but it is interesting that they had both because usually from like a casting standpoint, I feel like they try to like get you got to diversify yeah, a little bit. Exactly. Like how there's always like in like teen movies, they've got like the blonde and the brunette and like the, the, the black, black and the gay. one. Yeah. 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 Um, so it was interesting that they were both tall, skinny, redhead, pretty white women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I maybe there's some sort of meaning behind that like but no because if it was supposed to be like like, the every woman thing they would be like brunettes or something yeah i would like to believe that it was just because those were the best people for the job which would be which would fall in line with the sort of feminism of the movie is you hire you hire who who can get the job done best based on their ability not on how they look yeah and i thought they did both did a really great job i think so too i I liked i liked their acting Mm -hmm. at no point did any of them see either of them seem to really be overacting Mm -mm. yeah they were great um i think they both seem to be good at like comedic acting and dramatic acting Mm -hmm. so that was nice to have versatile people instead of saying oh you're good at this so we'll put you in and you'll just sort of fudge through the the other thing you're not so great at if we show enough of your tits, they won't. The audience won't know that you're not acting good. Oh boy. Um, oh, so Brad Pitt was in this. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting to me because that is like the least Brad Pitt Brad Pitt I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder what, if this was his first, like, first major role. And man, did they have his muscles on display! Whew. He was so skinny, though. Yeah, he was really skinny, but he was he was pretty shredded. Let's see. Um, this might be. Oh, he was in the TV show Freddy's Nightmares. Is that related to Nightmare on Elm Street? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We're just bringing it all together. Man, Wes Anderson bringing bringing Red Pitt and Johnny Depp into the world. Uh, so he did have, it looked like some smaller roles. Like he did some TV movies, some TV shows. It looked like he had small parts in other theatrical movies as well. Okay. But it was among his first roles. So, um, so what did you think of his character? Uh, it was fine. I can see why they put it in there. You need to have a a sexy man in your movie for ladies. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta have, like, a man who is attractive. 
Yeah, there weren't. Ugh. Well, no, because the point of the movie is is that you're trying to escape all the men in your life. All these men that's are doing true. terrible things to you. Mm-hmm. So you got to at least have one of them that's delicious. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Um, But, man, I was so upset when he stole their money. Oh, sure. But, of course, you know, she had to know. She, no. He, he's like, I'm a robber. Yeah, but he's like, I used to be a robber. I'm reformed. That's what they all say. <laughs> she probably hadn't met any robbers before. <laughs> so that's, uh, that was the most frustrating thing about her character is that her decisions that got them into more and more trouble every time were decisions that could have easily been avoided. Yeah, but she was she was just very naive. She... They said she got married at 18. I know. She's been with that controlling dude who never let her make any decisions. So the fin- time she finally gets to make a decision, it's the wrong one. Yeah. So, I mean, it felt like it didn't feel out of character. And it didn't feel like no. forced. Like It, it just seemed, felt frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she was the probably the reason they got into all of this mess. And then Louise is the one trying to fix it. and But she didn't do a great job of trying to fix it. No, either. she didn't. But I guess, I guess we could talk about that, how instead of immediately calling the police after they kill the guy, they don't because no one will believe us. Mm-hmm. I guess that was an interesting point. I'm glad they didn't harp on it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm, Because if they harped on it a whole lot, it would feel like they're trying to make a point. The way it was presented, it just felt like a fact of life. Yeah, that's true. Where it was like, well, we we have no proof that he tried to rape you. Nobody else was here seeing it aside from me who killed him. Yeah. it. I wish, again, we if this had been the way they did it, like we wouldn't really have a movie. I wish that they had shot him but not killed him. And then they, but they probably wouldn't have thought that was a big enough deal to run from, I guess. No, of course not. Um. So then that was interesting how we sort of had this little mystery of Louise saying, I won't go to Texas because something happened in Texas. Mm -hmm. And we have to assume she killed somebody in Texas. Or just got raped in Texas. Uh, Oh, I guess that's... Which is what uh, her her buddy was saying. Her buddy? Yeah, the other one. The other redhead. Thelma? Yeah. I thought Thelma didn't know. She... At one point in the movie, she's like, oh, did you get raped in Texas? Oh, okay. And Louise was like, we're not going to talk about it. Okay. Which is a yes. (laughs) But at one point toward the end of the movie, oh, after they shoot the truck, um, they say, where did you learn to shoot like that? And Thelma says on TV, where did you learn to shoot like that? And Louise said, in Texas. Mm. So I feel like she shot somebody in Texas. Maybe. Um, So... If you were either Thelma or Louise, what would you do differently? Not get caught. Um, I would have gone through Texas. Or I would have decided that going around Texas to get to Mexico is going to take too long. Let's just go to Canada. Okay. Which is what I said a whole bunch. I, I said, we'll just go to Canada. I would have been more careful, too. I would have put a mask over my face, robbing the store. I probably would have ditched that car. Mm-hmm. Traded I, it I in or something. Tried to get a new car. Um, 
But yeah, I think trying to go to Mexico was the obvious option and they should have chosen something else. Yeah, well, it's a Western. Yeah. Um, but you wouldn't have turned yourself in. You would have run if, oh, you, no. if you were them. Oh, no. If I were me, I wouldn't have. That's a little scary. <laughs> um, yeah, I think if I were them and I was set on running... I definitely would have turned in my car first chance I got. I would have not left the money in the hotel room because it was Louise's money and she left it in there with Thelma, who we already knew by that point did not make great decisions. No, kind of dumb. I would have kept it with me. I would have like tucked it in my waistband or something. Yeah. Um, but I pro- I think Canada would have been the better decision too probably be faster to get, well they started in arkansas so maybe not yeah but they wanted to go they wanted oh, to take yeah, yeah, secondary yeah. roads around texas yeah that's true and i don't know why they called uh daryl in the first place i know louise said call him if he acts funny the cops already know mm-hmm. but like i just wouldn't have called yeah I just <laughs> she didn't like him anyway <laughs> i just would have assumed that cops were after me after i killed the person mm-hmm. like that is that is the safest bet yeah it's just to assume you are now on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this movie would have been... How do you think this movie would have been different if it was about two men instead of two women? Oh, it just would have been The Hangover. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. I just... I don't think it would have worked. I think it would have just felt weird and dumb. I mean, it- there are movies where there's dudes who like commit a crime or something and then are trying to get away with it it's they're usually louder and more actiony and there's a lot more yelling mm-hmm. and it's less about their friendship than it is about like it being a thriller yeah type of action movie so i don't know i just don't think it would have worked i don't think there's like a one-to-one connection comparison between between the two situations just because it's such a a female-centered movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the movie would not have worked if it was men, so. Yeah, I don't think, like, the detective would have been as sympathetic in trying to help them. No, it would have been, I'm gonna get you! Yeah. And if it was a woman, she would have been, like, cold and shrill. And I'm gonna get you to prove myself. I'm gonna get you! Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Is it You want to give me some trivia some, time? Some trivia? Thanks to our good friends who aren't giving us any money at IMDb. Mm-hmm. Although I'm... if IMDb does want to sponsor us, sharingeverythingshow at gmail.com. <laughs> send us an email. Send us a quote. <laughs> I guess I probably shouldn't say then that I'm very upset at IMDb for getting rid of the message boards. Yeah, well, everybody is. I loved reading those. Um, I, I never used them. I did at one point. I kind of did, um, but mostly I just read them. Actually, for the first couple episodes we did, I would read them for ideas of what to talk about. Oh. So thanks, IMDb, for making me have to think for myself. Mm. Jeez. All right. Um, then struggling actor George Clooney auditioned five times for Ridley Scott for the part of JD that went to Brad Pitt. Um, the scene where Louise grabs Thelma's headphones off her and scares her wasn't planned. In the DVD's audio commentary, Gina Davis commented that she was supposed to get up when Susan Sarandon called her from the car, but she had the volume on her Walkman up too high and didn't hear her cue, so Susan came over to get her. 
For the more raunchy sex scenes between Brad Pitt and Gina Davis, director Ridley Scott had assumed that a body double would be needed for Gina. Shortly after he'd begun auditioning prospective doubles, David learned, Davis learned of Scott's intentions and insisted that no doubles were needed in those steamy scenes. She said, I want to be all over Brad Pitt. Jesus. <laughs> Ridley Scott was, a, was reportedly so amazed with Hans Zimmer's score that he created a main title sequence with Zimmer's music over it rather than giving the main credits at the end as it was primarily planned. Um, it took so long for producers to find someone for the role of Louise that Gina Davis had to sign a contract stating that the producers could cast her in either role if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep wanted to make a movie together and Thelma and Louise was one of the scripts they considered. Ultimately, they decided to start and Death Becomes Her instead. Oh, speaking of Goldie Hawn, so let's compare... Thelma and Louise to what we have seen of the trailers for the movie Snatched with Amy Schumer and Goldie <laughs> Hawn. Now, now, as a society, just using those two data points, have we taken steps forward or backward? Well, they're two different genres of movie. Sure, but the the plots are, are fairly similar. They're not criminals. They get kidnapped. Yeah, but they're two women on a vacation and get themselves into trouble. I suppose that's true. And yes, even even still. So have we taken steps forward where they're kidnapped rather than criminals? I guess I'd say that's a step backward. And the movie is called Snatched. Yes. Which is a vagina joke. Yes. So are, are, are we better or worse as a society now? I don't know if we can compare it or base it on just those two examples. Okay. But I agree. That movie looks ridiculous. Um... Let's see. According to a magazine interview, screenwriter Callie Kahori based the character of Thelma on her friend, country singer Pam Tillis. 24 police cars and three helicopters were utilized for the film's climax. The trailer presented the film as a comedy. Oh. It's not quite right. Nope. Um, I was not laughing out loud while they were killing rapists. (laughs) Uh, Brad Pitt had previously lost the role of a character named JD in the movie Heathers to Christian Slater. He got his revenge when he stole the role from Slater of JD for Thelma and Louise. Hey, Thelma. (laughs) Do you want to go back to your room and have sex? I'm Christian Slater. Ugh. I would say that the casting for those two movies was fairly correct. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. I I don't even want to see Christian Slater with a shirt off or in a sex scene. I don't want to see Christian Slater at all. <sighs> also, I never want to see Heathers again. I like it, but I'd like Winona Ryder, so. Callie Kahori wrote her early drafts longhand at home and then periodically transcribed the pages on a K-Pro computer in her workplace at night. I'm so glad we live in the time that we live in now where I can write a novel on my phone. <laughs> um, average shot length is about 6.3 seconds. The median shot length is about 6.1 seconds. That doesn't mean anything to me. Does it mean anything to you? Yeah. Michael Bay's shots are no more than like a second and a half. Oh, so like in those dumb action scenes where I can't tell what the heck is going on. Gotcha. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, so the movie feels slower paced because the shots are longer. Mm. 
Included among the 1001 movies you must see before you die. Edited by Steven Schneider. We have that. We do have that. Um... Apparently there was there was a lot of casting stuff going on with this movie. Mm. Lots of people were supposed to play certain people and then found other productions they wanted to be in. It seems like that happens a lot with better movies and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. I've never really considered it in terms of a quality thing. Maybe it's just because that just means that the movie is taking more chances so people mm-hmm. initially are like yes and then they get scared off that could be um at one point during production ridley scott considered changing the ending to having Thelma survive after being pushed out of the car by louise right before she drives off the cliff um, that would be dumb that would be dumb uh in the documentary the celluloid closet Based on the Vito Russo book of the same name, Susan Sarandon said that she added the kiss between Louise and Thelma at the end of the movie. Sarandon said she told co-star Gina Davis, but no one else, that she was going to kiss her. Um, In the scene where the tanker truck is shot and blown up, the reactions of Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis were supposed to be genuine. Rather than filming separate reaction shots, director Ridley Scott rigged the tanker to blow up during the take in order to get authentic expressions of surprise from the two leads. Despite this, they were so astonished while watching it that they forgot to actually react, so Scott had to film their reactions again. (laughs) Um, Ridley Scott is very receptive to ideas from cast and crew members on his films and used many suggestions from Susan Sarandon during production. Some ideas of Sarandon's that made the final cut of the film... The visual of Louise packing her shoes in plastic bags while prepping for the ladies' weekend to get away in the mountains. The scene where Louise exchanges her jewelry for the old man's hat. And the scene where Louise stops the car in the desert at night and takes a personal moment looking at the stars while Thelma sleeps in the car. The last scene idea took half the night to light. Sarandon and her longtime partner Tim Robbins reworked most of the dialogue in the sequence. They're together? I don't know who Tim Robbins is. He's Shawshank in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, okay. Um, I guess at the time of writing this thing, they were. I don't know if they still are. Um, reworked most of the dialogue in the sequence between Louise and her boyfriend, Jimmy, at the hotel in Oklahoma City. Originally, that scene called for Louise and Jimmy to make love and conduct an impromptu mock wedding ceremony. Serena felt that having sex would be the last thing Louise would be interested in doing at that point in the story and told Scott that if she performed the sequence as written, that they would have to include a scene where Louise would wig out as a result. And prior to signing on to do the film, Scott gave Sarandon his word that he would not change the ending of the movie. She had just experienced that in her last movie, White Palace, with the original ambiguous ending being scrapped in favor of a more upbeat one and did not want Thelma and Louise to meet a similar fate. Mm. Um, Jason Beggy, Beggy improvised his scene where the state trooper starts crying when Thelma is holding a gun on him, deciding it would make his character more memorable instead of unemotionally complying with the demands of Thelma and Louise. The studio was very resistant to the downbeat ending and were very keen to find an alternative. Shocker. As they were unable to come up with a better conclusion, they eventually conceded. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They really wrote themselves into, all right, so the movies can end one of two ways. They're either yeah. going to come out with their hands up or they're going to drive off the cliff. Both ways are going to be kind of a downer. Well, for our final trivia item here, 
Ridley Scott filmed a longer ending found on the special edition DVD in which the car is seen plunging into the canyon with a melancholy B.B. King song playing in the background. He opted for the more upbeat ending with the car frozen in descent when Hans Zimmer's score playing. See, the whole time watching this, I knew what the ending was going to be just Mm -hmm. because I'm alive in the world. See, I didn't know. (sighs) Guess you're not alive in the world. I don't know (laughs) what to tell you. I knew they drove off a cliff. Mm -hmm. It's a pop culture sort of thing so i was wondering how they do it i've also seen i don't know why if i was watching one of those like video essays or if it was part of a film class or something Mm -hmm. i've seen the shot of them like grabbing hands and driving driving towards the cliff Mm -hmm. toward the cliff sorry thank you um but i've never seen how it ends so the whole time i was thinking and maybe it's because i'm used to movies starring men that the ending would be watching the car like bang down the cliffs and explode oh and then God. and then credits roll <laughs> uh or i didn't know if they would like freeze frame looking at them as they start to go off the cliff but i think the way that it ended was pretty good mm-hmm. fade to white even which is a thing that symbolizes death and heaven and whatnot yeah i uh i think the ending was probably the best ending they could have done for that movie Mm -hmm. because it would have felt like a complete waste if they spent all this time running from the cops and then at the end they just get captured and that's it yeah so i've got a question for you before we move on yeah thinking of that what do you think of movies i know obviously you didn't know how this movie was going to end Mm -hmm. but what do you think of movies where you know what the ending is going to be whether it's like a sports movie where you know they lose or a, a war movie where you know everyone's going to get dead at the end mm-hmm. or a Lars von Trier movie where you know that it's just going to suck for everybody the entire time because Lars von Trier just loves making people miserable <laughs> or whatever. But going into a movie, you know that everyone's going to die or it's going to be sad or the couple's not going to stay together or whatever. How do you watch a movie like that? What's your um, mindset? I generally don't have a problem with it. Um, I think, like that old cliche saying, it's about the journey, not the destination. Mm. So I still like seeing how you get from the beginning where everything seems okay to Mm -hmm. the end when everything sucks or whatever, the opposite or whatever. Um, I think that a good movie is able to make me care even if I already know what's going to happen. Um, and a lot of that, I guess, has to do with the acting or the, I don't know, technical terms like the cinematography or whatever and the music. Um, so I don't know how often that actually happens to me though, where I know the end of the movie before sitting down to watch it. Um, but I think that it wouldn't be a problem for me. What do you think about it? It generally fills me with some apprehension to watch the movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Just because it's always there in the back of my mind uh, that, like, oh, well, that character, I know they're going to die, and I, ha- I have to be invested with in, in them, and I have to fall in love with this character for the next two hours just to watch them get themselves murdered or whatever. So would that be the same thing for you as, like, the kind of movie that shows you the end at the beginning of the movie? Or is that different? Uh, I, I, maybe if it's like a mystery or something. Mm. Th- then I wouldn't have a problem with it. <laughs> but like Melancholia shows you the end. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it. And that movie's supposed to fill you with dread. And holy cow, it did. I've yeah. never been so affected by a movie 
like physically affected by a movie. Yeah, I think I'll pass on watching that one. That reminds me, do you remember that uh that really dumb Netflix movie we watched that I was excited about, the mystery one? Um, I can't remember what it was called. It had um, Jeff Garland as the detective. It was like it had Nat- Natasha Leone. Oh, like a murder mystery, yeah, a yeah. murder movie or whatever. And at the very first shot is the guy coming out of the pool saying, I did it. And then yeah. like, what was the point of that? At the time, I didn't think anything of it. But like he did it. So like, what yeah. was the point of the movie? I don't know. Uh, that was a weird sort of comedy. I don't think that's my brand of comedy. No, I don't think it is either. It's uh, I commend them for trying something different. Yep. But I don't think it worked. <laughs> womp womp. All right, trivia time or um survey time. Okay, dope. Let's see. Um, which character would be the first to die in a horror movie? Um, the black Rasta bike guy, <laughs> because he was the only black person in the movie. So, you think he'd die sooner than Thelma, who makes terrible decisions? Yeah, because her name's one of the first two. Okay. Names. Let's see. Um. Um. Which um. Which character would you least like to be trapped in an elevator with? Uh, the bad guy from Happy Gilmore. Oh, Daryl, Thelma's husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a scumbag. I, I would wear his skin as a coat if it got cold. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, and finally, I'm going to make one up on the fly. Oh, yeah. Mm. So Thelma and Louise, they are on the run in this movie. Mm-hmm. And they seem to not stay in one place for very long. Mm-hmm. So they probably live out of vending machines. Mm-hmm. What do you think their vending machine meals would consist oh, of? Oh, they're eating lots of Funyuns. Yeah? Yeah, they're eating They're eating nothing but Funyuns. <laughs> Just Funyuns, both of them. Funyuns and, and liquor. <laughs> they smell awful. Gross. <laughs> Combined with, we see lots of shots of them just washing down in outdoor water basins. Like, mm-hmm. they're not using soap. And they got that convertible top open all the time. They're getting yeah. all that desert dust on them. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Funyuns. This movie was brought to you by Funyuns. <laughs> uh, hey, Joe. Katie. Would you like to hear some exciting news? Yes. We, sharing everything have received our first email. Hooray! Only 20-some episodes in. 20? Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I will let you do the honor of reading us this email. Uh, I haven't opened it. I don't know what it says. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, the subject title is History and Movies by one Jamie Lewis. Should movies reflect the times they are set in or the times they are filmed in? During the My Girl episode, you commented on the blood pack scene. It was not uncommon... In the time the film is set, but not when filmed. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing a period piece, do a period piece. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess the point of bringing up the blood pack scene was, like, AIDS! Yeah. Because it was a movie filmed in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then you got two kids rubbing their blood together. That probably hit some sore spots. But it was also a kids movie, too. Yeah, So you true. don't have kids thinking about AIDS too much. <laughs> 
No, yeah, I think they should reflect the times they are portraying because it would feel out of character or out of time or whatever Mm -hmm. if one of them had said, is this a good idea? I heard we might get sick from this. Yeah, well, or just cutting it out because he brings up that that was common in the 70s was that kids would do a blood pact. Yeah. So cutting it out would just leave the risk of it feeling inauthentic for a movie set in the 70s yeah i think that's probably true for any movie like Mm -hmm. if if you i don't know have a movie set in like the 20s and have a whole bunch of feminist ideals like that might feel a little weird because that wasn't like common like obviously there was feminism and they were getting the right to vote and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but like it would feel strange to have it be sort of a mashup of the 1920s and like 20, 2004 or whatever. Yeah, you'd need to you'd need to present it through the lens of that time. Mm-hmm. Or if you were doing some sort of mashup on purpose, you would have to make that mm-hmm. like clear and make tons and tons of like mixtures like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks for the question. You can email the show at sharingeverythingshow at gmail.com. Send more questions. We enjoy questions. We enjoy questions. Um, yeah, you can find us at uh, noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on podcast stuff apps. You can find us there. Google it, jerk. Google's your friend. Um... And uh, what are you planning to show me next week? Next week, we're watching American Psycho. Yay, more criminals. Uh, Until then, keep talking, keep loving, and keep sharing.